All right, I want to take a moment right now and I want to welcome a bunch of amazing people. First, let's begin by welcoming our Greece campus child. Can we put our hands together for our Greece campus? We got our Life Center, we have our Monroe and Albion Extension. We're so thankful that you're with us. And listen to this right now from cruise ships all over the world joining us online. We have individuals from New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Vermont, Delaware, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Texas, California, Kenya, Belgium, and Canada. Come on, church, put our hands together. And I want to say that for almost 20 years, my family has had the privilege, and for me as an individual, even longer than that, having grown up as a kid at this church, to be associated with the fruitfulness of the ministry and to be close to the most incredible, loving shepherds and senior pastors that God has gifted, not just the Father's house, but Rochester, New York, with Pastor Pierre and Pastor Marlise. And I want to ask you, if you are thankful that God has led you to a life-giving church today, would you put your hands together and celebrate our senior pastors and celebrate that you're here? So before we pray, I'm going to open up with a specific verse. When Pastor Pierre uh, reached out to me and provided me this opportunity to spend some time with you, I felt as though there was one verse that I wanted to share as kind of an intro to the intro. And sometimes you don't always know why this happens, but as a church, we believe that God desires to speak to us through the power of his Holy Spirit. I want to remind you, fathers and men in this church, that God desires to speak to you about your well-being and the well-being of your family and your children. For some of you, your grandchildren, I want to speak to all the ladies in the church, that God desires to speak to you through the power of his Holy Spirit. We believe that that happens. And as I was praying, this verse came to mind. So in an act of obedience, I'm going to read this to you, and I'm just going to trust and hope that it ministers to someone from all of our locations listening. It's Psalm 92, verse 13. I believe that we have it. It's going to be up on the screen, so I hope that you'll read it with me. It says this. Come on. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You understand that you can go to the garden factory, which is a place here in Rochester where you can buy trees and stuff. And you can see these trees that are there, and they are waiting to be placed on the delivery truck, landed a specific property so they can be put within the ground. Because God has designed a root system that goes downward, deeper into the nutrients of the soil, that they were designed to receive the nutrients so sap can flow up through the tree, go out to the branches, and there can be blossoms and there can be flowers. And scripture even says, so birds can come and rest on the branches of the trees. But this can never happen if we live as people that choose to not be planted people. And there is something in our culture today where it is shockingly sexy to be transient and noncommittal. It is shockingly cool to not work a job or do a thing for a long time or even be with an individual a long time. It is cool to not feel tied down. But you understand that there is real freedom and then there is false freedom. Did you hear what I just said? Real freedom understands 
that I actually have to be a planted person from my roots to truly receive what is in the soil of the place where I have been planted. Hear what I'm saying? And the deeper the roots go, the sweeter and the more unique and historical the nutrients become. And before I pray, I want to declare over us as a church and everyone joining in Greece, Albion, Monroe Extension, Life Center, that it is good to be planted in a life-giving church. And I want to say this. It is so insanely rare to find a church like the one that you have the privilege to be seated in right now. So I'm going to take a moment to pray and we're going to dig into our message and our time together. Though it might seem a little cheesy for some of you, you're going to feel like you're doing the Pledge of Allegiance, but would you lay your hand on your heart for just a moment? Come on, if you're new and it feels a little uncomfortable, you don't have to, but if you are. Jesus, right now with our hand on our heart, we declare that you know us in our innermost being. There is nothing that we have to hide from you today. Because the Bible says that your perfect love casts out all fear. So regardless of our current circumstance, all that we may have to celebrate or the depth of the valley that has become so familiar. Jesus, we give our hearts to you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody says... Amen. Would you take a moment right now, wherever you are, even if you're watching online, I dare you to do this on your cruise ship or wherever the heck you are right now. Would you fist pump the person next to you and say, good job getting to church this morning? Come on, seriously. You're already ahead of the game. Good job getting to church this morning. All right. So whenever having an opportunity to share or to speak, especially at such a big, beautiful place like this amazing church that my family and I have the privilege to attend and to be associated with. It's always an interesting idea to think about what is a thought that can connect to all of us right out of the gate? What's a thought? What is a common thread that if we can connect within that thread, we're going to have a lot more fun right at the very beginning? So I was praying and I was thinking about this, trying to figure out exactly what that would be for us. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out. If it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first, hopefully I can pull it back together. But I want to throw this out and say this thought right here. Chronological order is an important part to life. You understand that no matter how spontaneous or how structured that God has wired each of us, because some of us are so spontaneous, it's boring for us to know what's coming in the next second. We just want everything to be a surprise. And some of us are so ordered, our whole life is based out like a mission, like we're in the military 24 hours a day. But regardless of where we find ourselves on that particular spectrum, if you live long enough, you will find that there is an order and there is a system, and even in a chronological way when it comes to our life, to our existence, and how God has planted us here on earth. When my wife and I first got married, we wanted to get a house, but we had to go and get a what to get a house. We had to get a mortgage, right? And before we could get a mortgage, what did they have to do? There's an order. They had to check our what? They had to check our credit. If you got a mortgage 
without getting your credit checked. I don't know who you owe money to, but you should be scared, right? <laughs> like that's the mafia. Like something's going on. If they said no, don't worry about it, you should be worried big time because there is an order to things that work well. You're not going to get into college if you don't eventually apply. If you pick a college and they say, oh, no, you don't have to apply. Just show up with a computer. You're good to go. You know, it's probably a cult. It's not a college. Be careful. Like there's something really weird going on there. Get in your car and drive till you run out of gas. You're not going to go on a date until what happens. Come on, there's an order to things. Some of you have been praying in your prayer closet in your bedroom for who you're going to marry, but until you ask somebody out, there's not going to be a whole lot of motion. You know what I'm saying? Like eventually you're, you, you are believing that the Lord is going to drop this person in front of you and they're going to be miraculously kissing you one day. Like, like that's not, if that does happen, again, call the cops because that's weird, right? If that happens, that's a mistake. And they can actually get in trouble for that. Right? If you're going to enjoy your retirement, at some point you're going to have to save something. There is an order. There is a system. And I believe it's okay to be spontaneous and fun. But as we grow and as we mature, we realize that systems and order are incredible. And some of us maybe had bad experiences with domineering systems and order. And when you hear me say those words, it feels so negative. But listen, God who created us, created the earth and he created humans to operate within very specific systems in order for us to be healthy people. Think about it this way. God created our bodies and they have, I don't understand this kind of stuff, but they have a circulatory system. They have a respiratory system, a muscular, a nervous, a skeletal, a digestive. And when any of these systems do not work the way they should, they mess up all the other systems, right? So some of us paid a lot of money to go to school for a very long time to help us keep our systems in check. And when our systems aren't working, we have to go to the hospital and we have to come see you so you can make sure that our systems get back in order. God who created the earth, he created an atmosphere. He created a biosphere, a geosphere. I don't even know what these things are, but Google told me God created them all, right? So I'm just going to believe that they're there and they exist. I don't know what they do, but they are real. And if any one of these systems, we see some people are devoting their lives to these particular systems that make the earth grow round because we believe if they break down in any way, it messes up the planet. Why? Because God is a God of order. He is a God of systems. And we realize in our lives and some of us think that we are better than this, but it don't take too long to figure out that we're not, that we need sleep. That is a system, right? Have you ever noticed with how much regularity you get into bed every night? <laughs> Sometimes Tanya and I joke because we're like, oh my gosh, we're here again. Like this happens every day. Like you can't change this. It's a system. And some of us think, well, we don't need a whole lot of sleep. Have you ever met a person who brags about how little sleep they get that you actually want to be around for a long time? Seriously, some people wear it like a badge of honor that they don't need to have a whole lot of sleep. Anyone I've ever known like that, over time, you figure out where the breakdown is <laughs> real quick. <laughs> oh, I don't need sleep. 
Okay, well, wait for the craziness. It's coming. I promise you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need to eat, and we need to eat the right things. We need water. We need good habits. We need friendships. If you take away any of these systems or if we start to become prideful and think that we don't need them, eventually there will be some form of breakdown. Say breakdown. And if we slow down enough and look at the scripture closely, because sometimes when we read the scripture, we're in a rush because life is busy and we just rip through it. But sometimes if we slow down and we look at the scripture closely, we can actually see that God is speaking to us, not just about a story in the scripture, but he's speaking to us about the chronological order and the way the story is even told. But we have to slow down, and we have to read it from top to bottom, and we have to give ourselves space to digest and to do what it says we have to physically eat. We have to enjoy the bread of life in order for this to happen in our lives. And if we're always, I mean, even the apps that we follow, they're like verse a day. It's like, how can I make this as quick as possible? Like, give me a verse a day that I can read at some point today or something. Sometimes we just have to slow down and we have to enjoy the word of God and we have to allow it to minister to us. And I hope today as we read some verses together, this can almost kind of be like a, a competition that some of us will begin to see the order and we'll begin to pick out not only what Jesus is doing, but what he is saying to us about our well-being and what we need to not just survive, but to thrive. And what Ecclesiastes calls our life is a vapor here on earth. Because some of us have become so wrapped up in current troubles and disillusionment and everything going on in life, we forget until we see something on the news or what happened with Kobe Bryant or something like that. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting at home reflecting on our lives being like a what? Like a vapor. So what I want to do right now is I want us to read Luke 6, 12 through 19. We're going to skip a bunch of verses in between because the verses basically just roll out a bunch of names of individuals, these kinds of things. We're going to read through it kind of fast, and then I'm going to stop. Again, Greece, all of our Extension Sites Life Center, I, pr I trust, pray that we can read this with our whole heart together as one church, as a family, everybody online. So starting in verse 12, let's read this together. It says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. We're going to pause right there, and we're going to jump down to verse 17 because there's just a bunch of names in between. So here we go, verse 17. He went out with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon, verse 18, who had come to hear him be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, verse 19, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. 
Now, when we read a set of verses like that, depending on how we are wired as individuals, we will be drawn to specific phrases and specific verses because it's attractive to us because we get it. We enjoy the mountainside or we're fascinated by miracles or we like having friends or whatever it might be. But what I want us to do is I want us to read this from top to bottom and allow me to show to you, to consider for us to reflect on what I believe God through his Holy Spirit, because like we said at the beginning of this message, regardless of how new you are to following Christ, regardless if you've been following Christ for a long time, I want to remind you that wherever you are hearing my voice, God desires to speak to you today. For some of you, he desires to soften a hardened heart. There are some of you that you got here today and you're here with your family and it's a beautiful, you woke up, birds were chirping outside and it felt like life was coming back to the city because springtime is on the way. And there's others of you that you barely made it. You barely made it. But wherever we find ourselves, I pray that God opens up our heart right now to hear what I believe he wants to show us through the order of these verses. So let me read this to you and propose to you the chronological order that I see. Beginning in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. There comes a moment in our lives where we realize absolutely nothing is more critical than the connection we have with our Lord and Savior. After we have attempted many idols, many careers, many people, many acts of sin, whatever it takes for some of us, for whatever reason, it can take longer than others. But there will come a point in our lives, in our marriages, whatever it is, in our growing up, where we will come to the realization, if this is not the first priority, Everything else will always fall apart. Hear what I'm saying. There is a system, and some of you aren't clapping. I don't know. Maybe you're not clapping because you already knew that. <laughs> maybe you're not clapping because it hurts. I have no idea. Or maybe you're bored, and if you are, I'm so sorry. I'll try harder. You know what I'm saying? But I believe there is a reason why in this particular story, Jesus is showing us not only in the context of the story, but in the context of our lives. The moment we begin not putting fellowship and communion and our focus on him first and every decision and every step that we take, considering him and the words that are coming out of our mouth and what we are participating in and what we are choosing to be present and be associated with before work, after work, when everybody is in bed, when everybody is awake. The moment we begin to allow the fear of the Lord to not be the beginning of wisdom, the moment we choose to say, I know I'm a temple, but I pretend like I'm not a temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment we begin to ignore the utterance and the unctioning of the Holy Spirit, the moment we begin to say that those types of things don't matter and we begin to live without any filters in our life, I'll tell you right now, for some of us, if we fix this one thing, you will be amazed how much healing will start to come to every other thing. For some of us, what we defend on Facebook is stealing our peace. Listen to what I'm saying. 
What you defend and what you defend matters, but the way in which you are doing it is stealing your peace. Don't stop defending. Don't stop having a voice, but stop doing it in a way that is actually breaking down communion between you and the God that you desperately love. Because the scripture says, listen, you can look it up. The scripture says, the words of our mouth will become a snare to our soul. And for some of us, not even in the notes, I'm just putting that out there. If we change our words, you'll be amazed at how quickly your soul starts to free up. So stop feeling entitled to say mean and nasty things because you are inflicting far more damage on yourself and the quality of your life than other people who are just tired of hearing it. So the very first priority that Jesus is showing us, listen, in the story, is he's showing us, he's sitting on a mountainside to pray, and he's having communion with the God who desperately loves him, his father, he's in fellowship. They're experiencing that relationship with one another. Verse 13, can you say verse 13? Come on, why don't we read this one together? Now we're going on to the second part here. Critical, chronological order, systems, God. It says here, nice and loud together. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Pause right there. The very first thing that God is showing us through the order of these verses, we have to keep our relationship and we have to keep our communion right with him. Number one priority. Say number one priority. The second priority in the system or in the order is we have to find our tribe. We have to find our team. We have to find our people. We have to find other individuals who desperately love Jesus Christ. We have to find other individuals that we can text. Like I was texting late last night as I was wrestling with my own worry and my own concern getting ready to speak to you. We have to find individuals that we can text, that we can confess things to, that we can sit across a coffee table and we can say things that we hope nobody else in the room can hear. We have to find individuals that we get on a team with. And when we look each other in the face, we know that here on earth, we are helping to guarantee other people's eternity in heaven because we are on a team together doing great things for God. Jesus is showing us an example in the chronological order of this story that the very first thing that we cannot mess up in life is what? It's relationship and it's communion with him. The next thing that we cannot mess up some of us have grown to believe that if you get close enough to God that you no longer have you no longer have a deep need for relationship with other Christ followers and you are the weird ones these are the individuals that walk up to you with books called like moon stained red revelation something because you have become so obsessed with just your own relationship with Christ you have begun to deny 
the next need that you have in the order of your life, which is Christ wanting to shepherd you as the good shepherd into relationships with other individuals who love him. It's not enough for you to come to church and to just sort of know people but then go the whole rest of your week at work with individuals who you don't even know if they know Christ. The community that God has desired you to have, the team that he has designed for you to have with other Christ followers he has designed for you to have is a lifestyle. Regardless of how busy you are or how much time you have in this season of your life, the first two themes that we see in the chronological order that I believe Jesus is speaking to us through these specific verses is number one, we must have our first priority on relationship with him. Number two, we must find our tribe. We must find our team. We must find other Christ followers that we do great work with. And then the third one, and these are all in order. I'm going to ask that you read it with me one more time. And keep in mind, it doesn't have to be these specific things, but it's about what God is speaking to us through these verses. Beginning in verse 17, let's do it. It says, he went down with them, say with them, and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, a great number of people. Let's jump to verse 18. Who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases, troubled. We can pause right there. So what we see in this order, I'm going to say it's something like this. First priority is God. Second priority is having that team and that tribe. Third priority is doing great work together. When these three things work together within our spiritual formation and within our Christian life, I can look at each and every single one of you right now and I can tell you the closest and the most intimate friendships that I have that have lasted me the longest over the course of my life and that are the richest and the deepest right now are individuals that I had a relationship with God, we got on a team together, we did great work together building something in the church, and I have been with them and they have been with me from every high and every low season of my life in the last 20 years. I have cried with them and they have cried with me. We have celebrated late at night, going out, having a great time, eating amazing food when they received a promotion at work. But these relationships were formed and they were shaped because as individuals, we love God. And at some point, we locked arms and we built a friendship. And the next thing we did is great work together. Now, I thought it would be fun if we not only spoke about this from a scriptural standpoint today, but how fun would it be if we actually recognized some people that have been living this out? Come on, somebody. Because how cool is it when we can talk about what we see in the scripture, but then we can also look at the lives of individuals who are doing it and say, that's what it looks like when it works. So this is what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to put up a slide of three different individuals that attend the Father's house. And I'm going to tell you a brief snapshot of their story of when they first made their relationship with God a priority. When they found their team or their tribe. And I'm going to tell you about how they're doing phenomenal work right now 
as individuals. Are you ready for this? And when I say their names, I want you to cheer like you know them. Because some of you know them, some of you don't, but that's okay. We're going to cheer like their family, and it's Thanksgiving, and we're about to eat. So the first person I want us to put up is my man, Anaji. Come on, let's put up this picture. You know, some of you don't even know that you are blessed by Anaji so regularly as he is back on this keyboard allowing God to use him in such a profound way. When Anaji first said yes to God and made his relationship with God a priority, and I believe this is a testament to Anaji's parents, was at the age of seven years old. And then Anaji turned 12, and he decided at a young age, and this is all we can hope for for our kids, that at a young age he found his tribe and he found his team playing piano for his kids' ministry at the church he grew up at. And then somebody, because you know that's how it goes, right? Somebody in the adult church was like, who is that? How old is he? And they're like, Anaji, I'm going to show you. This is the organ. And I had a vision of you playing this organ. And you're going to tear it up. God's going to use you. Not very, not very many people know how to work this thing, but God's going to use you in a profound way. And shortly after that, after Anaji said yes to God, and Anaji got on a tribe and a team, he began at a young age playing for his adult worship team at his church. Before he knew it, he was music directing. <laughs> you know that there were some people on that worship team, they wanted to music direct for like 30 years. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're like, is this my nephew or my son telling me what to do on the bass right now? What? <laughs> you got to love it, right? <laughs> and then in January 2019, Anaji showed up at the father's house. And because he had learned these spiritual principles of what it looks like to be planted and flourish, he quickly got on this team can you imagine if Anaji said no at 12 years old? Come on. Can you imagine if his parents didn't push him and persuade him to, to come to worship practice and do the things that he needed to do? Anaji came into a relationship with God. He got a tribe on a, or a team, and then he began doing great work for God. Can, put, can you put your hands together one more time for Anaji? We got two more to go, then I'm done. One more time. Come on, it's like Christmas Eve and your uncle just broke out the board games. Can we put our hands together for Aaron? Picture right there. Come on. Come on. I love how Aaron really chose to be vulnerable and how she shared her story with us, and I want to just celebrate this right now. Aaron mentioned that most of her life she had an awareness of Christ but it was kind of like background music. And then a year and a half ago, she sustained a very serious injury that caused her hectic life to come to a screeching halt. And she wrote this, that in the quietness of her recovery, she felt Christ calling her to truly know him. And what felt like background noise now became the first priority that we see Jesus showing us, became relationship with Christ. 
So it says that she wrote down here that she had been coming to the father's house for years. And it says, I didn't even know anyone to say hi to. So she had the relationship with God that had been reconciled, that focus. But she had yet to find her tribe or her team. But I want to celebrate that in March 2019, many of you, hundreds of you, I would argue thousands of you, have felt more welcome. You have felt like you belonged at this church because Aaron was standing at the door welcoming you into the house of God. She found her tribe, found her team, began doing great. Let's put our hands together for Aaron. <clears throat> Come on, are you ready for the legend? Let's put up a picture of Gary Ware, and let's put our hands together for Gary Ware. Remember, we're talking about the significance of when somebody says yes to God and makes that their first priority. And when that individual, regardless of where you're at in life right now, everyone Greece, Albion, Monroe, Life Center, listen, everyone online, we make God our first priority. And then we realize it's critical that we don't only make him our first priority, but we have got to get on a tribe. We've got to join a team. We've got to become part. And then it has to result in action. That's what we're talking about. And let's look at Gary Ware for a moment here. Gary said yes to following Jesus for the first time at the age of 12. And then again, I want to celebrate Gary's vulnerability where he made this comment. After the death of my father, he says, I drifted away from church after high school, and he didn't return again until 1996. Now, when Gary returned to church, he showed up at a church across the street where our prayer chapel is. And that would be the church that our senior pastors would come all the way from South Africa to pastor. So listen, in the year 1997, one year after Gary re-engaged his journey with God in church, that first priority, listen, in 1997, Gary began, he got on a tribe, he got on a team in the kids' ministry. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. And I hope that you envy this. I hope this creates in our heart a desire to have a legacy like this. Gary has been faithfully on that tribe or team for 23 years at this church. Can you imagine if Gary said no? Seriously. How many kids would not have been led in a small group by Gary over 23 years? <laughs> Come on, just capture this, this with me for a moment. Kids that now have their own families that got to sit in a circle. And I know that Gary had a very busy career in the position that he was in professionally in Rochester. And I'm sure that there were many weekends where he was sitting and that small group, and there were things going through his head that he had to do. But can you imagine all the lives and the children that would not have been affirmed? Can you imagine all the kids that didn't have a dad that felt like Gary was able to put their arm around him and just be loved by him? Can you imagine if Gary said no to a tribe or a team? Can you imagine if Gary said, 
no to being a person of action. There is an order. Say it with me. There is an order. Come on, say it again. Say there is an order. We're going to slow things down for just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. What I want to address right now in this time of prayer is barriers. The first question I would ask you, are there any barriers in your life right now separating you from the wonderful journey of the very first priority? For some of you, maybe you can identify with Gary's story. You experienced some type of loss, and you feel like you drifted for a little bit, but guess what? If you're hearing my voice, you're back. You're here with us as a church and as a congregation. And we want to give you an opportunity right now this morning to give your 100% yes to Jesus Christ. Because guess what? Because God is a God of order and a God of systems, he makes that the first priority. So right now at the Greece campus, man, can you feel almost like we're building towards a moment of celebration? Because the Bible says that heaven rejoices when people are reconciled to Christ. So right now at our Greece location, Albion and Monroe Extension, here in Chile, from all those places around the world, I'm going to ask that we bow our heads for just a moment. If you need to get the first thing right, and you need to welcome Christ back into your life, I'm going to ask that all of us pray this prayer together. But you know who you are. Would you say, Lord Jesus? Come on, everybody together, Lord Jesus. One more time like we mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, we need you. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Come on, would you say thank you for your new mercies that were waiting for me this morning? Would you say thank you for your love that covers a multitude of my sin? God, I ask your forgiveness. I receive your grace. One more time, I want us to say that last part. And for some of you, I want you not just to say it, I want you to do it. Say, I receive your grace. In Jesus' name. We're going to go on to the next barrier, and I'm almost done. For some of you, there has been a barrier that you have faced in terms of finding your tribe and your team. And you understand what great churches do. Listen, great churches provide a way for people to live out the gospel, <laughs> right? Like this isn't complicated. We don't provide just a seat for you to come and enjoy. Hope you have fun. We provide a way for us to live out our faith to have a living relationship, right? So because you attend a great church, and I'm speaking to everybody at Greece and everybody in Chile, when service ends today, there's gonna be a welcome party right here in this room where you will have the opportunity to enter in to the legacy kind of life of the Anaji, the Aaron, and the Gary 
And I don't care how unqualified you feel. If you say, Chris, I don't even have another second in my life, we'll take your half a second. If it means that we get to be on a team with you and we get to know you and we get to live out the scripture. So I'm going to pray right now in closing for those last two steps. That anybody in this room needs to get on that tribe and team and you need to begin to see some action with that tribe and team doing good work. One more time, can we bow our heads? Lord Jesus, I pray right now for everyone hearing my voice. I trust that many of us have the first part right, or now we do because the opportunity was given to reconcile with you. But I know there are many of us where we need to have our story told. We need to join a team, a tribe, and be associated with what it's like to do great work and to feel the blessing that comes from being planted and the nutrients and the flourishing that will happen in our lives as a result. So I pray, Lord, that we would understand our kids will be okay. We don't have to rush. We can hang out. We can be together right here in this room, and we can take another step in living out the gospel together. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Come on, can we just thank you, Pastor Chris, for such a phenomenal message. Wasn't it an amazing, amazing message? There is something that has become so common worldwide, and it's always so comical to watch it from a distance. It's when people take selfies of themselves. Isn't it amazing? You'll see at an airport, somebody is just like, but what is more important when you turn the picture around it's the question of what would be the impact of the life of the picture you hold because you see sometimes the smallest step will become the most significant important step to shape our lives and give us lives that is filled with meaning impact and impactful living and today at our campuses and extension sites and in this room i want to challenge you there is not a feeling that's going to ascend upon you where you go like oh i just had goosebumps i think i should do something you see the goosebumps come when you simply say yes when you say i want to live a meaningful life because i want to live for god i want to be part of a tribe and I want to be on mission with Jesus. And I want to encourage you as we're going to uh, close the service to consider to remain in our campuses for 15 minutes for the welcome party. The kids are going to remain in kids ministry for those who want to be part of the 15 minutes. You say, what is the 15 minutes about? It's simply to give you an on-ramp to be part of being on mission with Jesus through the local church so many places to add your life for God to work with great significance. Do not put it off. But be like Nike. Just do it. Come on. Just do it. Because 15 minutes could be the start of a great journey that will forever transform your life. So Father, I pray that the compelling work of the Holy Spirit will not allow us to just walk away 
walk away from the invite that you've given us when you said to your disciples, come with me, come with me. Let's go down to the need of the people. We want to be that people that shout, yes, Jesus. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to remain seated. I'm going to pass it back to our extension sites, Pastor Luke. Just check out the short video, and then we're going to close. Just two minutes to go. My name is Evan Hickernell, um, and I have been attending the Father's House here for about four months now. Growth Track really opened up my eyes on what's available here at the Father's House. There's so many avenues that you can go down. The very first time that I was able to serve here at the Father's House, I was able to open up and invite people in. The Father's House is a great place to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. When you get yourself into a, a situation where you feel like, ooh, you're gonna learn something about yourself, and that's growth. Gr growth, that's the word in Growth Track. I think probably the main thing I learned from Growth Track was um, there's a spot for everyone. Um, and it's a, a goal and a mission of the Father's House to find that for each person that has the desire to serve. I found a sense of belonging. I, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where God wants me to be. Um, right here at the Father's House and serving and giving back to what He so freely gave to me.